Good morning. It's good to see everybody. It's good to be here. The last several months, I feel that God has me on a journey, a good journey, but is reminding me, taking me back to my roots, if you will, and what the Christian life, thank you, Grant, for the water, what the Christian life is based on, the foundation, which is Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul said, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I love that verse because the gospel is a simple message. It's profound, it's life-changing, it is incomprehensible, but it's simple. We met with the baptismal class on Wednesday evening, and we talked about baptism, and I want to share today's message and next Sunday's message, which will be the baptism, with baptism in mind. Next Sunday, Lord willing, I want to preach about baptism itself and the symbolism of it and the history of it and things like that. Today, I want to talk about what baptism actually is about, the real baptism that takes place in our hearts. The baptism of water and of the Spirit. And in plain words, I want to talk about salvation. I want to talk about being born again. The title for my message is The Valley of Humiliation. The Valley of Humiliation. That may be an odd title when you talk about salvation. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 to the disciples, whoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same will be great in the kingdom of heaven. That may not be word for word. But we're called to humble ourselves as a child. And every one of us must humble ourselves in order to trust in the saving grace of Christ. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, and it's going to be a very familiar passage, we're going to be reading some verses from there, but we're going to be moving from there. But I want, to, I want you to just keep your Bibles there at John 3, because we're going to be building off of the verses that we find there in John chapter 3. The first verse is verse 3, where Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. And he's talking here to Nicodemus, a religious person, a Pharisee, that came to Jesus by night. 
and asked of him, he had some hard questions for him. He was struggling to understand what Jesus was teaching. And Jesus spoke plainly to him, but it was hard for Nicodemus to understand. But verse 3, he said, I tell you the truth, the words of Christ. He says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's perhaps, it, it's a foundation of Christianity, but in today's world, it can be easy to lose our focus on the fact of being born again, and maybe even really understanding what that means. There's so much information readily available in various places today that talk about things to focus on, that talk about good things that, that help us to be disciplined in our lives, and that even talk about the Bible and talk about living righteously. And sometimes this is almost a, just a bygone conclusion or forethought in our mind, well, yes, we must be born again. But we go on searching for more. We try to find answers to our problems in life. And we talk to people and we read things and we, we pray, which is a good thing to do. I'm not discounting any of those things. But this is a foundational requirement to live a life as a Christian, is that you must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God, to experience the kingdom of God. And he goes further in verses 5 to 8, and I'll read those. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, again talking to Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. When you're born of the Spirit, you are controlled by a different source. But as people, as humans, we're not born that way. We're not born being controlled. We're not born alive to the Spirit of God. Our spirits are dead to God. And we're alive to evil. We have a sinful nature. In Romans verse 12 and chapter 5, Paul says that when sin entered the world, death passed on all men. In the moment of sin, man became unacceptable to God. There was a broken relationship between man and God. And man thereafter, after Adam and Eve sinned, man was born a sinner. We had a sinful nature. Our very nature is against God, and we can't do enough good things to change our nature. We can't do good our way to heaven can't live righteously enough. No matter what family you come from, no matter what church you go to, you can be the most conservative person in the world, and it doesn't make you a Christian. Conservatism never equals Christianity. You can be the most accommodating and passive person in the world, 
and not be a Christian. Only commitment to Christ can reconcile us to God. The Bible says that you serve, that who or what you serve becomes your master. In Romans 6, verse 19, Paul said, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. What about you this morning? Are you a slave to impurity and to lawlessness? Many people go to church every Sunday and are still slaves to impurity and lawlessness. Going to church can't save you. You can read your Bible every day and not know Christ. Many scholars of the Bible today don't know Christ. Reading the Bible doesn't save you. Only faith in Christ can save you. These are facts of our condition. We must have a Savior. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they in turn obeyed the devil. And in so doing, their spirits became dead to God. Dead in their trespasses. And obeying the devil, they elevated him to a place of authority in their life. The Word of God teaches that you are the servant of the one you obey. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. When you walk according to this spirit of disobedience, your spirit is dead toward God. That's why you must be born from above. That's what born again means. It means to be born from above. Your spirit must be reborn. It's through rebirth that your spirit is given new life so you can be alive to God. My heart is to explain this in the simplest way possible. Our spirits are dead to God because of sin, and we must be made alive to Christ by, to God by, by believing and having faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. When we're born again, our spirits are made alive by the blood of Christ. What does it mean to be born of water and the Spirit? That's what's mentioned in John chapter 3 when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. That we must be born of water and of the Spirit. What does that mean? Water signifies the washing away of our sins. And this is 
where we can understand baptism, when we understand what takes place here. Water signifies the washing away of our sins. The Spirit brings new life by renewing our mind. When you're born of water, this means that you've repented of your sins. Your thoughts and your actions that were against God and you've trusted in Christ, who gave His own life as a sacrifice for your sins. That's what it means to be born of water. You see your sinful state, and you repent, and you see in being born of water your need for a Savior. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they could no longer eat from the tree of life. If they could have eaten from the tree of life, they would have been evil forever. So God drove them from the garden. Man must have forgiveness for his sin before he can have eternal life. Eternal life is given through the Spirit of God. This is what happens when we're born of water, is we have forgiveness of sin. And we cannot be born of the Spirit before we're born of water. We are to be born of water and the Spirit when we're born of the Spirit, we're given a new nature. Our spirits are made alive to God. We're no longer a slave to sin and its evil passions and desires. The devil is no longer our master. That's what happens when we become born of the Spirit is our master changes. The devil became our master through sin, but through forgiveness of sin, we have a new master. When we're born of the Spirit, we pass from death unto life. We mentioned the fact a bit ago that the Bible says that death passed on all men, and we're born as sinners. But when you're reborn, when you're born of the Spirit, you've passed from death unto life. So you're born because you're born in sin because death passed on all men. But then, when your spirit is reborn, then you pass from death into life. God takes away your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. And you can understand and know the love of Christ, the love that passes knowledge. You understand what you used to consider foolishness. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. A natural man, his spirit is dead to God. But when we're reborn and made alive again, then we can understand the things that God freely gives us. The Bible teaches that when we have the Spirit of God, we're a new creature. Why? Because God's Spirit gives you the mind of Christ. And through God's Spirit, you are like a building fitly framed together unto an holy temple in the Lord. As the Spirit sanctifies you, you are changed more and more into the image of Christ.
Again, the words in John chapter 3, verse 5, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is the beginning of the life of a Christian. When old things pass away and all things become new. And there's much excitement and joy when we are forgiven of our sins and experience a new life in Christ. But as many of us know all too well, sometimes that excitement is short-lived. And we wonder, where's the joy that we experienced when we first believed? Many new Christians get discouraged and distracted when they have trials and testings and they are faced with temptation. God doesn't change the world around you when you're born again. He changes how you think about the world. You become a new creature. You become a new creature. You are living in the world, but are no longer of the world. The Spirit of God promises you everlasting life. The mind of Christ equips you to understand the Word of God and to be a builder in His everlasting kingdom. When we're born of water and the Spirit, the Scriptures say that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We no longer take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather we reprove them, we expose them. We find in Ephesians 5, verse 8, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The Scriptures also teach that when we're born again, we put on Christ. Romans 13, verse 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Galatians 3, verse 27 says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What does it mean to put on Christ? Putting on Christ is referred to in Ephesians as armor. In Ephesians 6, and we want to look at that. In Ephesians, Paul says, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Having the mind of Christ is like wearing armor. It protects you from evil. When you're born of water and the Spirit, you recognize what evil is. Rather than being deceived by it and embracing it, we fight against it. When you're born of water and the Spirit, we have discernment. We can know what is good and what is evil. In the famous story, The Pilgrim's Progress, Christian was given armor to wear when he was in the palace beautiful. And soon after, he encountered a deceptive angel of light in the Valley of Humiliation, which is where the title for the message comes from. This angel of light tried to convince him to obey the longings in his own heart. 
to go back to the life he once lived. Christian, which was the name of the pilgrim, though he was humiliated, used his God-given perception to expose the evil Apollyon. He exposed him as the deceiver that he was, and his armor protected him from harm. In Ephesians 6, we see that we can withstand the, when the day of evil comes. Because we also have an armor. We must wear it. When we're born of water and the Spirit, we're given a new mind. And we put on Christ. Peter says in his second epistle that we must be aware, lest we be led away with the error of the wicked. The word error means the delusion of the wicked, the deception of the wicked. Many Christians become deceived and fall from their own steadfastness. But we are to rather grow, as Peter says, in grace and in knowledge. That's the will of God for us as Christians, that we grow in grace and knowledge. Why are we becoming deceived and falling from our own steadfastness? When we're born of water and the Spirit, when we're forgiven of our sins, our sins are washed away, and we are, our spirits are reborn and made alive to Christ. When we have the Spirit of God within us, we put on Christ, we have the armor of God, What do we lack yet? Are we safe from the enemy? I want to end today's message with a mind picture. I want you to imagine this with me. Think of you being born of water and the Spirit. You've been forgiven of your sins. You've been given the Almighty. You've been given the Spirit of God. Is there anything you lack? So I want to picture this. I want you to have a picture of a lamb. This lamb, the, the idea for this picture came from several different passages of Scripture. But Jesus told the 70 when He sent them out that I send you out as a lamb among wolves. So I want you to picture a lamb. So a lamb among a wolf, among wolves, get this picture of a lamb and He's surrounded by wolves. Do you have that in your mind? What's, what thought goes through your head? So the word that I would think is helpless, doomed. He's going to die. There's no hope for him. He's in despair, surrounded by wolves. But Jesus taught that we are to wear armor, the armor that we find in Ephesians 6, the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, our feet shod in preparation to share the gospel. 
this armor. So let's put this armor on the lamb. Ah, that's better. Better. He's got a shield, he's got a breastplate, he's got a helmet. That should help a little. Is he safe from a wolf? Is he safe from all the wolves? So we have this picture of a lamb wearing armor. He's got the shield, and he's surrounded by wolves. Is he safe? And we think, well, he should be, but he doesn't sound very safe yet. But there's one more thing. Now think of this lamb with the spirit of a mighty warrior, with supernatural strength, and he's given a sword. Does that change your picture of the lamb? As a human, you are this lamb without armor. You're helpless, without strength. You're doomed by the power of the wolf. But as a Christian, as a Christian, you're given the spirit of a warrior. You're equipped with armor. You have a helmet. You have a breastplate. The helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. Your feet are dressed in preparation. Above all, you have a shield and you're given a sword. You're given a sword with which to fight. It's the only weapon that you're given that is a weapon of offense to fight back. The sword. But one thing that's interesting with a sword is it's not your own. You're given a sword. But it's the sword, as we find in Ephesians, the sword of the Spirit. It's the Spirit's sword. Where does the Spirit dwell? The Bible teaches that when our spirits are made alive to God, God's Spirit dwells in our mind, renewing our mind, dwells in our hearts, giving us a new heart, a heart of flesh. And this sword is controlled by the Spirit. This sword is the Word of God. That changes the picture of the lamb. It changes the status of the wolves. I want to read a passage from Revelation that gives a vivid picture of this sword that we're holding in our hands as lambs. This sword that we're given that's controlled by the Spirit. We have a picture of that in Revelation, and I want to read this to you. Revelation chapter 1, John saw a vision. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice of a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw the seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. So this is the picture. 
in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long white robe, with a long robe, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. Doesn't that just go through you when you have this picture? Of who's holding the sword? I want to read it again. In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death in Hades. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. We have seen His glory. The glory as of the only Son of, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16 says, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The Word became flesh. Christ the living Word the Scriptures, the written Word. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 and 25 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. That's all I have to share today. My heart is that you were encouraged to revisit the foundation of your faith. And sometimes we can do nothing more but go back to our foundation and make sure that we've got that taken care of. Perhaps you think you've been a Christian and you've never questioned the fact that you're not. 
or you don't want to question the fact that you may not be. But perhaps you didn't understand what it means to really be born again, born from above. And your life is a testament of that misunderstanding. Don't be afraid to go back to the foundation and make sure you've got it right. For the young people that are planning to get baptized, I'm excited and my heart is for you. And there's no better time than today to be faithful in taking the time, putting in the time to be knowledgeable about God's Word, to study, and to begin your Christian walk. I told you all Wednesday evening to give yourself grace. You're still growing in your Christian faith, and that's true. But continue growing. Grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior. That's the only knowledge that will really give you what you're looking for. God bless you. Thank you for hearing my heart.